Carlos, um, in Washington, there's a lot of talk about having a short-term patch uh, when the May 31st funding deadline comes. Uh, so it looks like Congress uh, here in Washington is not going to do a long-term uh, fix like they said they were going to do 10 months ago. Uh, you know, you're in Utah. Can you talk about what the impact of another short-term fix would mean for your state and for, you know, your neighboring states? Absolutely. I think the uncertainty that all state DOTs and local governments, in fact, as well, face in not knowing what the future holds for funding at the federal level has impacted our ability to deliver those projects at the right time, those critical projects, both safety and preservation projects that the public expects us to do. You know, fundamentally, as, as government officials, our job is to make sure we can return the highest value for the taxpayer's investment. And uh, to do that in Utah, we try to advertise projects at the right time. So every project we try to advertise both from a geographic perspective, but also from a temporal perspective. So we can get more competitive bids if we can advertise certain types of jobs at the right time of year. And so we've been able to take essentially two-thirds of our federal program this year with the, you know, with the program going through the end of May. We've taken about two-thirds of our program and we've been able to get those projects advertised at the right time. Now we have about a third of our program sitting on the shelf waiting until we know when we're going to be able to proceed with those jobs. And in states like Utah where we have, you know, we have winters, we have four seasons, uh, we have a very finite construction window. Um, so, you know, if Congress extends this program and it's a short-term program, I've been hearing anywhere from the end of July, early August, um, we will then now look and advertise as much authority as we get from the federal government probably through the month of June. Um, but you have to advertise for a month. We can't advertise all the projects on the same day because there's only finite bidding capacity that contractors have. And what they would do is if they can't give it a good solid bid, they're going to increase the cost of that project. That's not being a very good steward of the public's investment. So we'll space out the advertising of those pro projects through the end of uh, June. Uh, they advertise for about a month. And then you go through about a, a month period to award contracts. Essentially, we could lose a construction season for a portion of that program that's uh, authorized here with this short-term effort. And actually, uh, the Transportation Construction Coalition, uh, which is made up of the road builders and the engineers, uh, they came out with a letter on May 6th uh, saying that uh, for many states, the construction season, this 2015 construction season is pretty much done, and now they're already planning for the next season uh, due to the federal uncertainty. Um, and, um, you know, when you spoke before Congress on the Senate EPW panel uh, this year, uh, you addressed, you know, the concerns uh, that some members of Congress have about the concept of devolution. Could you uh, help us understand what not only devolution means, but also, you know, your take on that? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think first you have to step back and you have to say, is there a purpose for a national transportation program? Does transport, is transportation important in our country? And is there a uh, national need that really sits on top of transportation? And when I present it to Congress, I maintain that, yes, there is a national role for transportation. I believe transportation helps support the economy of the United States and all of our individual states. And every state is dependent on other states having a good, viable transportation system. And so I think first things you have to do is you have to put a vision in front of what are you trying to accomplish and why. And Congress needs to paint the vision for the purpose of that tr national transportation system. 
determine what it is we want to accomplish with it, and then apply the appropriate funding to achieve those objectives. Um, it seems sometimes we, we worry more, we start on the back end and we stop the funding without for having a clear idea of what we want to achieve as a nation with our transportation system. In Utah, we know what we're trying to achieve, and our legislature and governor funded appropriately based on that vision. Um, and when you hear a proponents of devolution, which is, you know, putting the responsibility of transportation, a lot of that responsibility back to the states, you know, um, what do you say to them directly? And, you know, be, and I bring this up because some of these proponents, uh, one of which, one of whom is um, a senator of your home state, uh, Senator Mike Lee, in conversations with him, you know, and others, you know, what do you say to them directly? Yeah, Senator Lee is a good friend. I've known him for a long time. And um, what I think it does is it represents a, a, an inability of Congress to be able to get together and together define what we're trying to retrieve with transportation. You know, if, if the answer is um, we can't get together, we're unable to come up with a solution, then, in fact, devolution may be a solution because states will then individually take care of their needs. But I, I maintain that I, I need every state in the country to have a good transportation system because I have companies here in Utah that depend on a, a good functioning road system in Arkansas and Maryland. It's important because we're moving products around the country and around the world. And so I would encourage Congress to define what they want to achieve as a nation with our transportation system. And this is not easy. It's hard. But... Nothing easy is nothing easy is uh, worth doing anyhow. We need to do the hard things, and uh, I would just encourage Congress to keep at it. I I know that many members of Congress understand the need for transportation, and they're committed to that long-term look. Uh, it's just we have a lot of things moving right now in Congress. It's very complicated, and uh, Senator Hatch, who chairs finance, is committed to a long-term funding for transportation, uh, but trying to do it in the, in the context of tax reform. That's a very complicated thing to do. So I'm confident in the long run. I think the short term, we're going to need to figure out ways to get through the short term so we can start to get to that big picture. Um, and, you know, the week, this week, uh, May uh, 11th through the 15th is infrastructure week, not only in D.C., but they're trying to, several groups are trying to make it a national uh, event. Um, could you speak about the state of transportation, not only in your home state, but in your capacity with the group ASHTO, you know, when you visit uh, other states and speak with uh, your uh, peers and the departments of transportation, you know, can you speak about this, the overall, on an average, state of, of infrastructure in this country? Well, you know, I'll speak to Utah first, and then I'll speak maybe overall as a country. In Utah, um, we have several advantages. We're a relatively young state. And so our infrastructure is newer than in a lot of other states. Uh, the challenge we have in Utah is we're a very fast-growing state. You know, we're expecting to just about double our population in the next 35 years. So um, our challenge will be to keep up, the, you know, the, the mobility for the state of Utah uh, in a way that allows Utah to be economically competitive. Our, we understand transportation is the one of the foundational elements for our economy and our quality of life. And Governor Herbert, along with our legislature, have applied an amazing amount of funding for us to be able to, you know, move transportation forward. So on the federal side, federal funding for Utah represents just a little over 20% of our total funding, which is very much on the low end amongst my, my uh, the other states. Uh, so we're able to 
really meet the needs of transportation in a way that I think are difficult for other states to do. Our challenge is we use almost our entire federal program for preservation and rehabilitation. And we depend on that federal allocation to keep our assets in good condition. It's very clear that when you allow your, your pavements and your bridges to get into poor condition, it costs more to own them. It's a higher cost of ownership. We believe good roads cost less is the model we have at UDOT. And so if you look around the country where they have older infrastructure or where the federal program plays a larger percentage in their total funding package, um, it's ultimately costing the taxpayers more money to be able to have assets in poor condition. So if we as a country understood this better, we would be very adamant that we wanted our DOTs to keep our bridges and pavements in good condition. It would cost the taxpayers less. Their tax dollars would go farther. I believe that's a fundamentally conservative principle in how we should be managing our infrastructure. Um, and as you mentioned before, uh, your senator, Senator Orrin Hatch, you know, he's working with his colleagues to try to find a, the ideal way to come up with funds uh, to pay for transportation projects. Um, you know, can you talk, touch on some of the funding proposals that are out there and, you know, some of them that you perhaps believe are the best approaches to getting this done? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of approaches out there. We've heard the administration's approach and, you know, the repatriation, uh, that, that tax window, what may be called, uh, to allow to bring some of the money back that's been invested in foreign countries back into the U.S. here. Um, kind of a one-time approach. I think fundamentally we have to think about the principles that we want to have behind um, how to fund transportation. And I believe one of the principles needs to be a user base. The, the better we can do to connect the, uh, the use of the system with and make the use of the system tied into the cost of using that system, the better um, I believe that's a very strong principle we should all support. So the gas tax has done a really good job of that, and it's been a pretty good user fee. I believe, you know, right now we're seeing a lot of um, great evolution in fuels and fuel efficiency of vehicles. And what we're starting to see today and will grow into the future is a little bit of a disconnect between the users and the impacts to the system and the cost they're paying to use that system. Now, I believe it's, it's absolutely the right thing to do to come up with more fuel-efficient vehicles, to look at alternative fuel vehicles, but that's where I believe is that disconnect that's starting to happen now and will increase in the future. Um, so I believe fundamentally in the future we're going to see more of a uh, that user base uh, fee is going to be tied more to that direct usage. And I'm very interested in the pilot that Oregon has going on and California has going on right now in that uh, vehicle miles traveled um, studies that they're doing. Because I think, you know, in the next, I don't know if it's 10, 15, 20 years, um, that will become the direct user fee that I think is important for the system. Um, and then, you know, finally, if we have uh, 10 you know, if we have a window to, of time to get to that ideal approach, that new way to get funding for transportation, um, you know, what do we do in the meantime? You know, do we, you know, keep just shifting money from the, you know, general fund? You know, like, you know, our states like Utah and others, you know, what, what's, what do you think is going to happen in the meantime? Yeah, that's critical. We need to have a bridging to that, and I would, I would, uh, I would, 
I would encourage us to break the habit of going to the general fund. You know, I remember for years prior to the general fund backfilling the trust fund, we kept trying to work on keeping that door closed to not allow trust fund monies, highway trust fund monies to be used for other, other needs. And here we are opening the door in the other direction and saying, bring the general funds in. I, I think that's a slippery slope that I would encourage us all not to try to follow in the future. Uh, I understand we've been trying to backfill, and that's important. But I would encourage uh, states and the federal government to take a look at what Utah just did. Our legislature and governor just did a reform of the gas tax here in Utah, and I believe it's going to be a bridging uh, formula for us. And essentially what we did is we, we sit at a 24.5 cent gas tax right now. And what we did is we converted that gas tax to a percentage. And what we can, and we set the floor at 245, so it doesn't go below 245. And what will happen is we'll multiply a 12% fee, uh, basically a percentage, times that 245, and that immediately gave us a 4.9 cent increase in the gas tax. But it's indexed now to the racks price. So as the rack price, that the wholesale price of fuel increases. That 12%, as that increases, that 12% will generate more revenue. They capped it at a 40 cent equivalent, but that floor will also be moving at the same time with CPI. And so we're going to have the ability for our state gas tax to more, in a better way, keep up with inflation and be able to uh, allow us to keep our pavements and bridges in better condition. And the taxpayers in Utah will ultimately pay less for the transportation services. I think that's a, that was a very good model, and I know other states are looking at that as well. Uh, that all sounds good. And Carlos, lastly, um, you know, has Senator Hatch uh, told you, you know, exactly what he's going to do? Has he uh, made, give you exclusive uh, intel about <laughs> his uh, plan of attack? I don't know if it's exclusive uh, intel. I have met with his staff several times and with the senator, and they're working on putting together various task forces to try to move this forward in a very collaborative way. This is big picture stuff. You know, when you want to bring it in with tax reform and do a long-term funding bill, you know, these are all things I believe are the right things to do. But in these cases, how you do it and who you involve in the process is almost as important as what the outcome will be. You need to get a lot of ownership in this. So they're forming various task forces in these specialty areas. And um, so it's going to take some bridging here, some short-term funding, I believe, for us to be able to get to the big picture. But I'm very encouraged with where Senator Hatch is trying to get to. Okay, if we can leave it there and cut. And <laughs> Carlos, thank you so much. Um, you know, I hope we addressed you know a lot of the stuff you wanted to talk about. And um, I think on my end, we um, you know we hit you know all those the big points you know about infrastructure, infrastructure week, you know, and all that. And like I told John, you know, we're gonna cut this. I know we're still taping, but we're gonna cut it, <laughs> and then you know we're gonna either do an edit and do a lot of splicing or take it like <laughs> so put best, some hair on. Yeah, the best five minutes, you know, and put it in there. Uh, and then May 12 is when we're going to use this in the webcast, you know. Uh, that's, ex that's exciting. You know, I, I, uh, I saw the Stephen Colbert uh, piece on infrastructure. Oh, the John Oliver? John Oliver, sorry. Oh, was, what did you think? That was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know. I, I, like, thought, I uh, like the dam inspector, you know, uh -huh, say, yeah. you know, it looks good. I'll be back in three months, you know, like. I, th I, th I thought, you know, that really means infrastructure made the big time. Yeah. Uh, with a, you know, a comedian of that caliber talking about it for that long. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
I was uh, I was very excited to see that. You know, so more people than ever are talking about transportation. The president's talking about transportation more than I've seen. You know, a president talk about transportation in a long time. Congress is aware of the issue. Um, I think things are aligning, and I know people are frustrated, but I'm very optimistic. But when you know, I'm from New Jersey, and so am I. No way. <laughs> what town? Caldwell. Okay, Perth Amboy, Matawan. Okay, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. But you know, so a really small town, so everybody knows the mayor. Yeah. So in my town, everybody knows the mayor, and I get to talk to the mayor, and I, you know, and I say, you know, why do people tell you about transportation? And the first thing she says is people don't want to pay more taxes, yeah. you know. So I look at polling, you know, but then I talk to the mayors. I talk to the mayor of Matawan, New Jersey, and he tells me the same thing, you know, that nobody wants to pay more in taxes, you know. And I mean, your line of work, I'm sure people walk up to you and just <laughs> share their two cents. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, don't, what do people say about the gas tax? You know, it was amazing because I think we're, it takes time to get there, but I think the trust that the legislature and the public have in the Department of Transportation to get the best return on the public's investment um, really played a big part in us getting getting this passed this last session. You know, we we're pretty good at saying with these inputs, with this dollar amount, these are the outcomes you're going to see. You know, so we we don't increase increase staff at all. There's no overhead. This is purely going to get product on the road. And uh, when the public sees how their money's being invested and uh, they trust you, I believe uh, they'll make the right decisions to invest because it'll cost them less in the long run.